Hey, it's Zach. On this week's episode, Dakota and I are going to break down week four in the OUA. We're going to break down, build up, and Dakota, as always, is going to talk a lot, a lot of smack. But he's actually going to spread around some of the trash talk this week. You'll have to find out who he's going to be uh, laying the boom on. And we actually got our first two mailbag listeners. Uh, so we'll go over the, their questions at the end of the episode. And yeah, just the regular spiel from us. So with no further ado, here's week four. This is Justice Allen, running back number four for McMaster. It's Eric Sarzella, starting left tackle for the Guelph Griffins. Dylan Giffen, left tackle the Western Mustangs. And you're listening to At The 55. At The 55. At The 55. Stay tuned. Best OUA podcast. All right, let's start off this week, just as we did last week, with our Who's Back, Dakota. Let them know. Literally, Who's Back, it's U of T coming out hot out of the bye week. That's it. I got, I got more to say later on, but I'm, I'm going to keep it short now. U of T is my who's back of the week. Uh, sticking with the literal who's back, I'm giving my who's back to the Queen's Golden Gales getting a W for the first time in just about a year. So big ups to Queen's. and uh, Good job, Schneider. Yeah, way to go finally get that W there. And uh, yeah, U of T, literally and figuratively, the who's back for week five coming up. Now moving on to our players of the week. On offense, I'm going with the same pick the OUA did. The guy's taking on a huge workload for the Griffins, given some of their injuries going into the season, and it's finally looking to pay off for him. Kane Stevenson having himself an absolute monstrous day. 21 carries, 194 yards, and three touchdowns. The, I don't know, we'll get into this more in terms of... uh, from what I hear, uh, Juwan Jeffries, one of their star running backs from last year, he might be back next week, so it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. But for now, all the shine, all the praise going to Mr. Kane Stevenson. See, I, I was going to agree with you on there, but I got a lot of people on Twitter saying I'm hating on Guelph too much, so as I like to, I like to keep the ball rolling with that. Uh, but, I respect that. Yeah, no, Kane had a great game, and, and all kudos to him, but I'm not going to agree with you and the OUA, so I'm going to have to go with my boy... As I predicted, putting up big numbers, Levandre Gordon, mm. 188 yards on the ground and two scores. We're going to ignore the fumble. But, yeah, no, I think he had a great game. Very close call. Once you kind of break that 175 on the ground, it's I think it's anyone's game for a player of the week. So my vote's Gordon. Fair enough. And who, about, uh, who do you got on the defensive end? Now, this might come as a surprise because we all know how much I like to rag on York. But Talik, and I'm going to butcher his last name, Wuman, please, man, tweet me. I'm, I know I butchered that. Uh, two picks on what I want to say is a very stellar McMaster offense. Duke is very solid at the quarterback spot. But two picks and a touchdown, that's definitely my defensive player of the week. And a very solid pick indeed. And I guess I'm going to double down on my Guelph homerism because, yeah, uh, you know, apparently that, that's my shtick here. Uh And I want to tip my cap to my boy Tavius Robinson. Talked about him a lot last week after seeing him in person at the York game. But he got three sacks. And three sacks on any given day, that's incredible. But this is him chasing down Trey Ford. So I think that's especially worth worth noting. Um, And as sort of a uh, runner-up, so to speak... Definitely want to give some praise 
to uh, Jacob Andrew for Western. Uh, got a pick that was ultimately called back from the touchdown that he ended up returning it for. So, you know, I'm always going to give, you know, praise to the people with the pick six. As we... What about what about Talik? You got a pick six. Well, you, you don't like York now? All right. <laughs> well, then, Talik, my bad. Uh, we'll go with a special teams player of the week. Um, I didn't really know. This week was nothing crazy stood out. The kicker from Ottawa apparently kicked for 518 yards, which is incredible. But why are you kicking that many uh, punts, Ottawa? What the heck? But I'm going to give it out to uh, Max Charbonneau. Carbonneau, not sure the pronunciation on that. Uh, for Ottawa as well. Blocking a punt, tightly contested ball game. Obviously, that's a big play to make on specials. I'll give him the nod. Not bad, but, you know, it's definitely not as good as my pick. My pick, special teams player of the week for week four, goes out to, uh, you know, my boy, Clark Barnes. (laughs) Why is that funny? I mean, he, he didn't play. He didn't play? But, but I look at the stats. He got he has three touchdowns for three returns for a touchdown. Are you saying he did that all in three games? <laughs> Apparently so. You know what? You know what? Shout out to all the special teams. Unless you guys can do better, Clark Barnes will continue to be the special teams player of the week. And with, he doesn't have to touch the field, and he's better than you guys. And with that being said, I guess that segues nicely into our first game recap. Our pick for game of the week: Guelph at Waterloo. Final score in this game, the Guelph Griffins 39, the Waterloo Warriors 13. Uh, this game was, uh, well, this was across the board a Waterloo pick from uh, everyone here at at the 55. So a bit of a surprise for us. I don't think anyone should would say that they couldn't have seen this coming by any means. I think there's, well, I think there's been a lot of questions about both these teams and whether those questions are resolved or not, I think, well, let's put it like this. Guelph's offense has, at times this year, shown that they can move the ball, they can do it in the air and the ground, but overall it's been fairly shaky for them. And for Waterloo, the defense has really been the Achilles heel for them. So I I guess one of those two things had to give in this game, and it seems as though it's that Waterloo's defense is looking pretty shaky. I mean, I'll definitely tip my cap to Guelph's offense, but that that's looking concerning for them. Yeah, sorry. Just f- first of all, I want to apologize to Trey Ford. Um, what Zach and I realized after the episode came out and we started watching the games on Saturday, that we apparently have a similar curse to the Madden curse, where uh, <laughs> players that we pick for who's back apparently don't have a great game and not saying look Trey you threw for 300 yards that's fantastic but an interception and what you you had two fumbles or something like that like Trey we can't we can't be having that game and that's that's kind of a big show to Guelph's defense um something that I haven't given credit to in a while and as I'm saying this I'm now realizing that my who's back probably just cursed my favorite U of T's blues so I might just have but, to leave. No, that's okay. Oh. That's okay because I pick. I pick Queens. So we're back, baby. We're the who's back. Curse is over. I just jinxed it. But no, um, no. I think I think Guelph. 
Guelph had a great game on offense, especially on the on the ground. You know, we had your offensive player of the of the week, 194 yards, three touchdowns, which is impressive for a rookie. I feel like we need to add. Yeah, a rookie, and a guy who's just in so many ways been thrust into this position. You know, obviously as as a rookie, it's a daunting position to be in as a starter, getting as many reps, but. This really, from what I understand, and you just kind of look at their depth chart with all the injuries they've had, this has been such, you know, this has just literally been thrown upon him to take on this load. And we talked about him carrying the ball for what, like 25 times against. Yeah, I mean, that big, big rant about how you can't carry the ball that many times in the OUA. Sounds stupid now. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I take that back. You know, they, they kept handing him the ball and. Averaging nine nine point two carries, I'd I'd hand the ball every single play if I was averaging yeah. numbers like that. Like that's that's crazy. And then also, you know, Theo Landers taking it taking it for himself. He has 12, 12 rushes, sixty six yards, and a touchdown. Yeah, that's pretty impressive when you can have a quarterback that just kind of says, "Let's go with it." And I think there, I think I've said this a few times now. That this offense is at its most effective when Theo is doing it in the air, uh, with his arm and on the ground as well because he has I mean, he is such a dual threat so it's almost just a shame to not see him take advantage of it but another weapon that this team got back offensively that was no doubt a huge boost is in the form of wide receiver Cade Bellick fifth year guy there um I saw him at the York game I I forget what he, I think he said it was maybe hamstring whatever it was it was keeping him out he just got nicked up in training camp but a veteran guy and you know, I think there's something to be said for guys, and you can throw Theo in the mix of this as well, guys that, specifically looking at this Guelph program, they came in under Galloway, then they were playing under uh, Jean-Francois for those few years, and now they're under Sheehan. They're guys that have learned a lot, taken or you know, have been exposed to so many different forms of offense, really bright, intelligent players. So I think that was a huge boost for them as well. And his impact was felt immediately. Cade finished with 82 yards and a TD in his first game back in action. So I think that's going to just help Theo out uh, as well. So this, you know, as much as I, 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 my first thing I said about this game is that it's really looking like Waterloo's defense is going to have its trouble. I think there's a lot of evidence to suggest that this Guelph offense is starting to hum uh, at the right time. Here's here's my only concern with Guelph, and I'm I'm definitely gonna start giving him a little more credit. Uh, as anyone who follows us on Twitter knows, you know I've been receiving a lot of flack for my lack of Guelph support, which I didn't even know I had a lack of Guelph support. I've always just kind of seen them in the middle, but apparently that's disrespectful. Is that the last two games they haven't really done much until that fourth quarter? Right. This game they put up 22 points in the fourth quarter, so this is similar to a game we'll talk about later with McMaster. It's that. You take away that one quarter, the game's a lot closer than it is. And once you start playing against Waterloo, you know, you can maybe do that um, against the smaller teams. But if you go, you know, you make the playoffs and you have to face Western, which is coming up, and or Mac again, you can't rely on one big quarter to kind of explode out. So yeah. I feel like they need to have a more more balanced offense. Nothing against what they're doing right now, but a more balanced offense. Their defense is there. We said it before, their defense is solid. They had seven tackles for loss for minus 23 yards, and their special teams, you already heard, you know, probably the best special teams in the league, but they they got to step it up on the offensive side. They can't have these big fourth-quarter comebacks or fourth-quarter explosions. Yeah, well, I'm curious, though, with, you know, how much we've seen them emphasize the running 
the running game for them, whether that's somewhat of a natural occurrence for teams that, because if you kind of think about the way a lot of, you know, run heavy teams go, you keep, you know, pounding away at the defense till eventually you break for a big carry. And so I almost wonder if that, in a sense, just kind of reflects the fact that they've been kind of playing that style where, you know, we say, you know, Theo had a great game, 11 for 19, 163 yards, one TD, don't love the pick necessarily, but that's very much like a, a kind of game manager game. You know, obviously, aside from the one pick, fairly efficient, not a ton of throws, you know, working a lot under the middle. We've seen how effective the the, the sort of intermediate routes to Jordan Terrio have been. Uh, already talked about getting Cade Bellick into it, but I, I almost wonder if, and not to say this makes it any more sustainable, I don't really know, but just sort of in my mind thinking that if that's just kind of how they play yeah which you know they got a th- they got a three and one record so i can't i can't stick my nose up at that but my only concern is it's it's so cheesy to say it's not how you start it's how you finish and true yeah, you know yeah. they're not in it to have a seven and one record and not win the gates they gotta they are gonna have to play western or mac again not including the regular season where they play western this week but this is where it's going to come into play where, yeah, you can pound the rock as much as you want against these, I don't want to say weaker offenses, but I'm going to say weaker, sorry, weaker defenses, yeah, weaker yeah. defenses. But you go against that front seven at MAC and at versus Western as well, yeah. which I currently have ranked higher than Guelph, even though you said Guelph's best front seven. Yeah, um, right. You're not going to be able to pound the rock that many times. You're going to have to put the ball in the air, and you got a quarterback right now that's throwing 19 attempts, not for great stats. Yeah, he got the touchdown. He also got the pick. So in my books, that's in a race. Um, they're gonna have to change a little bit if they want to win the Yates Cup. They're they're gonna finish. They're gonna go to the playoffs. But I just they got to change a little bit about their game right now. I don't think running the ball that heavy in the OUA is gonna do it for them, especially with three down football. Yeah, I like I imagine that most teams probably. And this isn't to you know throw any shade on him. You know, I love the guy, but I imagine most teams go against Guelph with a plan of saying like, let Theo beat us with his arm. And which he's shown he can do, but you know you're right. It probably down the line isn't the most sustainable thing. But well, it's similar to how yeah. how we want to say that Guelph probably came in this game and said, "Let's not let Trey beat us beat us with True. his legs." Yeah, yeah. You know, if you can shut that one guy down, and again, shutting down is used very loosely here. He threw for right. 301 yards. He rushed for 72, but they really limited him. He didn't rush for a touchdown. He didn't throw for a touchdown. As you see, when Trey Four's not at his peak. Waterloo's not winning. Games. Yeah, the, the team goes how he goes. Yeah, but I I think on the the Waterloo side, kind of taking a moment to sort of remove ourselves from the the sort of how the game played out in terms of the standings, and everything like that, and this season, I, I think talking about Waterloo, a huge shout out needs to go out uh, to Tyler Ternowski. Out of boy, uh, setting the Waterloo is it career? It's all time receiving leader. All time receiving leader. Uh, you know, we obviously saw last year. He was the go-to guy for Trey Ford and all the incredible things that he did. First-team All-Canadian. Going into his draft year, a little bit quieter on the stats this year, but I think the Waterloo offense sort of in general has been a little bit quieted down. To, from... be, to be fair, when we say a little bit quieter, he still had 141 receiving yards oh, I this mean, game. And, no, in this game in particular, yeah. like, he, he notably you know balled out and who knows, maybe... He, I don't want to go as far as to even speculate that maybe Waterloo is saying, all right, let's make sure let's get him the ball. You know, we're at home. Let's get this record done now. But whatever. It's week four. It's going to happen eventually in the year. But 
Point being, big shout out to Ternowski. Uh, guy's an absolute beast. His draft are coming up. I can't wait to see what the future holds for him with his football career. It's going to be gonna be something special. Um, yeah, and so I guess with the Griffins moving forward, and this kind of plays into how well the offense looked and the run game in specific, but next week, I'm I'm fairly confident they'll be getting their all-star left tackle, Eric Starcella, back in the mix for them, uh, as well as hopefully one of their two missing running backs from last year, I believe pro- more likely in Juwan Jeffrey, the other being Kwame Osi, um, which, you know, Obviously, when you get the likes of someone like Starcella back, it, it just re- rejuvenates that offensive line, takes it to such a higher level. Um, but as well, uh, what the addition of another back will do, specifically following such a great performance from Stevenson, um, couple all that with the fact they are going up against Western and how that's going to affect your game plan. But it's going to be really interesting to see how they move forward. Um, any last thoughts on this game? No, I think we covered everything. Good luck to Guelph. <laughs> and so, as we mentioned, Guelph will be returning home to take on Western in the rematch of the Eights Cup. Waterloo is going to be hitting the road to the nation's capital to take on the Carlton Ravens. We'll get into that matchup a little uh, a little later, but for now, let's move on to our next game, Laurier and Ottawa. Final score in this game, the Ottawa GGs 25, the Laurier Golden Hawks 22. You know, if you were watching this game and, you know, by the third, mid-third quarter, you decided, hey, I'm going to turn this off and watch something else. Couldn't really blame you. Unfortunately, as you've probably found out by now, if you did do so, you would have missed a pretty wild comeback that Ottawa pulled off in the fourth quarter. And, you know, we talk a lot about games where a team wins versus where a team loses. I think when you look at the litany of mistakes made on Laurier's part late in that fourth, this has to, like, Laurier blew this game. You blew it. You There's there's no question about it. And I, I hate to be piling onto them because they're going into their bye week. I can't imagine another team could use this bye week more than Laurier right now. But they they blew. What was the lead they had to U of T in the first quarter? It was like was it ten or fourteen or in the first quarter? Yeah, when they were up lot last week, when they were up on U of T. Oh, in the first. enough, that was enough, right? They blew that one. Now it's this one. You had a, a an uncomfortably tough game against York three weeks ago. The seemingly the the so far the shine the only shining light for this team is that they were kind of competitive against Western Week One, but. Still got handled. Oh my gosh, Laurier. Ugh. Figure out what you do and then do it better. It, you know what, though? There was like there were times in this game where watching it, I mean, you already brought up LeVondre Gordon, and, you know, hands down, he is the best running back in the OUA right now. You know, Alex Taylor, Cedric Joseph leaving last year. I mean, it was really Cedric Joseph who dominated. And but you know there were so many other great running backs that were coming back this year. Gordon, I think, has hands down separated so far. But even with the offense as a whole, I think the touchdown they scored in I think the third quarter they drove like a pretty hefty chunk of the field to score, and they were just you know feeding Gordon, 
doing the air Connor uh, uh, carousel, making some good plays. But just the you know the amount of mistakes, the number of stalled drives, it's just, ugh. I I I did an article last night that I put up on sort of my three lessons learned from the weekend, and the first one I put down was Laurie's not making the playoffs. Are you are you gonna put the Dun chain on them? Uh, I mean, I feel like that's more your thing. Are you putting the Dun chain on them? I'm definitely not putting the Dun chain on them. They're going to the bye. I don't have them out yet, and this might just be because I'm super biased because they are my my dark horse, and and it it pained me to watch this game. Um, you know, they were up, and as Jay Onright says, they blew it. You blew it. And any coach will tell you that you can't win games with a crazy amount of penalties, but especially you can't win games with a crazy amount of turnovers. Five fumbles. Five? Yeah. Five. And, sorry, quick quick question. How many of those resulted almost immediately in points? Uh, uh, What was it? Was it all five? Uh, we got a fumble recovery for a touchdown. I'm just, I'm just so taken away by the fact that they have five fumbles and five fumbles lost. So all I see is fifty-five. <laughs> and are they at the fifty? We'll get into that later. <laughs> five fumbles and and an interception thrown. And then, and as a special teams co- coach, I have this a lot. You know, you don't really notice special teams unless they do something good, or unless they do something bad. So big ups to Ottawa for doing something good, and big. <laughs> To Laurier for letting a punt return go for a touchdown. I'm I'm not happy because Ottawa, without without Bittner at the at the helm, they're not a lethal offense. No. They're not. Their their defense is amazing. I said that when I watched them versus Mac. They have an unbelievable defense. But you have a quarterback going 13 for 34 for 170 yards, one touchdown. Yeah, we'll give him one touchdown. But that is nothing to write home about. That's something to you know that's kind of a report card you don't let your parents see and you know what like for what ben miracle's done so far given that and he's a redshirt freshman or you know it's his first time starting no doubt behind uh, being behind uh bittner for these last two years but it's just the situation though you know if for a first time starter whatever you know he's obviously he's throwing some picks hasn't had the, the gaudiest numbers over these last two and a half weeks. But once again, for a first-time cue, they're not bad. But the problem is you're on a team that was 6-2 and two last year with a ton of returning weapons on offense and defense. You know, um, it's, you know, it's just a tough – the expectations are much higher for this team. And, you know, I, and especially because he's got all that weapons and you have, you know, bozos like me saying, oh, it's, it's going to be a shame if this receiving core, you know, can't do the can't have the production they they should be able to get because they can't get the ball in their hands, but that's kind of true, you know. And like I said, his, his number's been fine, but just you don't win with fine. Yeah. that's that's the problem. And again, nothing against him. Most importantly, for anyone that's ever played a sport at a competitive level, you're always going to say a win's a win, a dub's a dub. It doesn't matter as long as you come out with the win. But when he's going to start, if they want to make the playoffs, they make the playoffs. They're going to be facing. A lot stronger teams. Mm-hmm. My my biggest test to him will be in the coming weeks when they play the Panda Bowl. When yeah. they're 
thousands and thousands. I don't know how many fit in there, but I'm going to say 20, 30. <laughs> I, I know for a fact Carlton has already sold out their student section, which is 7,000 seats. Mm. That's a lot of pressure for, for a young guy to go out there. And if yeah. he can perform, like if he can perform at that level, I'll take it all back and he'll be he'll be good for the playoffs. But you you can't, and it goes against everything that people say, but you can't win everything with just defense. I know defense wins championships, but you can't rely on the fact that your defense is going to get six turnovers in a game. That's just not realistic. And if they do, I'll, I'll take it back. Congrats. I don't believe they can do that. I don't believe this is something that is sustainable. And it just it just worries me a little bit as someone who does, you know, I did think Ottawa is going to make the playoffs. I'm questioning it a little bit going into next week, but mm. I guess we'll see. He's got to improve a little bit more. Yeah, and and we saw in the run game take a little bit of a slide from last week, and I was definitely gassing them up a good bit with Berger and Shaw rotating in there. And I think this probably goes for Miracle's numbers as well. We have to take into account that you know, the one thing that has been fairly consistent with Laurier is the performance of their their defense so while you have Jordan Berger only finishing with 26 yards and, and Donald Shaw only with five you, I mean this was a very very sloppy game on both sides for, for most of it so maybe you just as a whole you just kind of forget about it and say hey as you mentioned we got the W just on to the next one forget about it but for the Laurier going back to Laurier talking about whether they're done chained or not <laughs> um, you know, looking at their schedule following the bye, they have their last two games of the season. There's the Battle of Waterloo, and then they're home against Carlton. And I am so sure that those both those games are gonna be major, or are gonna have major implications on if not the playoffs in terms of who makes it, who doesn't, but at least on, on seeding with all those teams. Sort of, I feel like in a lot of people's minds, in in roughly the same sort of tier of the OUA standings but then as well they play Queens and Windsor and I I I would I do not I, I I do not believe firmly that those are two you know in the bag wins they're winnable games much like Waterloo and Carlton are also winnable games for them and maybe a little less or pardon me maybe a little more winnable but not those aren't sure things at all we've seen good things from Queens and Windsor yeah, look, Waterloo. Sorry, not Waterloo. Laurier knows they have to run the table on this. They're they're going into this by fully aware that they have to run the table completely. Yeah, Queens and Windsor. I don't even want to call them upsets if they win because they're they've been putting up you know not surprising numbers but you know slightly impressive numbers. And Carlton's going to be a great game. Waterloo is going to be a great game. Those are all winnable games, but in the same sense, they're all definitely. I wouldn't be shocked if they lose any of those games or all of those games. So Laurie kind of has to, like I said, figure out what they do. They go into this bye week, figure out exactly what it is that they do. And if they're here to win, that's great. Let's, let's get our players ready to go out there and win the next four games. And if they're saying, you know what, this season's done, which I highly doubt any coach is going to do that halfway through the season, then let's get the young guys in there and, and get some, get some reps for them. But it, look, the Dunchain's in my hand. Is it placed? Is it placed around the the Golden Hawks next yet? Definitely not. We'll we'll see in the coming weeks. And so, as we mentioned, Laurie getting the bye week, the much much needed bye week, this coming week, and Ottawa is going to be on the road traveling to play York. Uh, can't wait to check out what happens in that game. That's 
Well, that's the five o'clock game, so you know, Ooh, no excuses. Five not, five o'clock this week. No excuses not to watch that one, other than oh, well, right. you might have to watch. Just one one quick note though, it's it's tough. It's a tough environment to go in there and, and beat York. Well, I can talk about it later, but you know, they've they've put up some pretty good defense and at at home. Well, I can't wait to hear you talk. All York kinds. is still gonna lose. <laughs> All right, so in our next segment, Dakota waxes poetic about the York Lions defense um, when we go to talk about McMaster at York. Final score in this game, the McMaster Marauders 27, the York Lions 9. Dakota, somehow you were able to sneak past the security guards at York University that were supposed to be preventing you from entering the campus. Um, So tell me, first off, how did you evade the camp security and secondly how was the game uh the the key is to come in late um (laughs) no one really cares if you show up late and how was the game i let me just i'd never i've never i've never been so mad to be at a football game my entire life for the first three quarters and i know what you're thinking dakota you always hate on york no it wasn't york it was mac it was McMaster, and this is now going into my weekly segment, Dakota's Do Better. Do better. Mac, offense, you are on the chopping block. There was no touchdown, and I know there was no touchdowns around the OUA for a while, until the fourth quarter. I'm just going to run you the first 11 drives. Here are the first 11 drives for McMaster. Fumble, safety, interception, punt, field goal, punt, punt, field goal, punt, Pick six, punt. This is McMaster. This is McMaster, first of all, that I had beating York by 35. Okay. Yeah, that's, those, that's that's my bad. Those Alabama spreads aren't doing you any favor. I'm going to keep putting up these Alabama spreads. This is the McMaster that, you know, going into this year, watching them versus Western, I'm like, they could challenge for the Yates. You're going to tell me you're going to come into York, who I put all the disrespect on, and put up no touchdowns in the first three quarters i want my money back first of all not from york mcmaster you owe me ten dollars because that was it was pathetic you guys need to do better i know i know i've already talked to some of the players going into this week you know you have to do better you have to put up 50 points against windsor it's not even a question mcmaster's offense is my do better of the week and rightfully so but was so bad. It's hard to, no matter how poorly your offense may play on a given day, it's it's hard to lose games when your opponent's offense puts up the type of production that York did. Look, I just I didn't want to get into it because I have hated on York for four weeks now, and it gets tiring for me, for our just loyal listeners. But also, yeah, just York, can you score touchdowns on offense? Is that a thing? And I'm now realizing this because this is the first York game I've been to live. It's a little bit different when you're there. Their special teams, I've already praised Alex Daly as much as I can, um, is good. Their their defense is I, – I, I can't hate on their defense. They've had, they've had some great games. But, you know, like I said uh, – Talik Uman, again, please correct me because I know I'm wrong. Two interceptions and a pick six. Uh, they had three sacks 
for negative 26 yards. I know one of those, majority of that came on that first safety. But they had a solid defense. They didn't let uh, Duick really settle into the pocket. Um, but their offense is just, it's just not good. I think it's the best way to describe it using all the words I've learned from multiple universities and colleges, it's just not good. <laughs> Hunchak uh, unfortunately got hurt, which is now, I know, Zach, you want to talk about this, but the second quarterback that McMaster's defense has, has put into the ground, uh, probably not the best way to phrase that. I apologize. <laughs> um, and Noah Craney came in, and he also went down for a little bit there too, but York realized they probably didn't have another backup quarterback to put in. With If, if Hunchak's out, for any amount of time, York's going to do negative numbers. With yeah, this is this is like Simeon's getting hurt for the Jets. It's like who the heck is next? the The whole Mac quarterback thing is just not to say funny, but of course, it's definitely interesting to think about, even for just like a split second. There, I mean, they get after the quarterback better than anyone in the league, so it's more obviously just a product of like the numbers there. But yeah. I, it sucks, you know, we've we've seen Bittner now out and how that's going to affect Ottawa. And now, yeah, like you said, if Hunchak's out for a significant amount of time, it, you know, what we could say about this offense is that Hunchak and Hakuna uh, Van, who, you know, we saw it in that Guelph game, we saw it in stints and some of their other performances, they obviously still have a really good connection from last year. Hakuna Van, who taking over definitely that number one role with Brett's brother Colton, getting drafted last year into the CFL. So we even, we, you know, we, we lose that as well. Um, and, you know, obviously you don't want to see any of these players get injured. Um, but, yeah, it just, it, it, it ain't looking good. But for Mac, you know, the, the defense obviously has to still, you know, be respected. You know, we always talk about how well the offense does versus the defense. And we kind of talked about that with, with Guelph and Waterloo in that game. Um but Noah Hallett, two picks himself in this one, stealing all Josh Cumber's picks. Josh. Josh, where you at, Josh? Come on, man. Are they just not throwing to you? Uh, I, it's, it's Cumber Island. <laughs> yeah, Cumber Island. Just one solo tackle that game. Come on, come on, JC. Uh, look, at, look at Max' defense. They had, they had four sacks for minus 29 yards, and obviously include on that in the, the 10 tackles for a loss for 60 yards. Like, they're... They're getting quarterbacks' faces, and that's one of my main reasons that I said, you know, Mac can do some damage in the OUA is their defense is scary. Eric Blake, who should be in the CFL right now, again, Edmonton, you messed up. He is a scary, scary man. Like, I would not want to be a quarterback and have to go against Eric Blake. He had two and a half tackles for loss for minus 17 yards. Sorry, minus 11 yards. I was reading a different one. Minus 11 yards. That's scary. That's definitely scary, and the Windsor Lancers will be the unfortunate team that has to figure out how to deal with Eric Blake next week as McMaster is going home to play said Windsor Lancers, uh, while York, as we already mentioned, will stay at home when the Ottawa GGs come to town. Any last thoughts on this one or any notes from just being there you want to throw out? <sighs> McMaster's offense, just do better, man. Come on. Well, with that being said, let's now move on to Windsor at Queens. Final score in this game... Queens 15, Windsor 8. As we already kind of mentioned earlier in the podcast, first win for Queens of the season and first win of the Steve Steve Snyder era at Queens. Big ups to them for finally getting in the W column. Game, though, not the, not the greatest game to pull it on. 
some good defensive matchups in it. They were celebrating at Queens uh, the 10th anniversary of the Vandy Cup team back in 09. It's kind of cool at halftime they had Danny Brannigan on uh, the OUA TV broadcast. But yeah, not the not the most entertaining game. You had James Keenan in for uh, Queens back at quarterback. Uh, played the entire game, which I guess it, coming off last week when we were talking so much about how they were rotating him in with I'm forgetting the name of the other quarterback they were using and whether it was an injury or this, that, and the other thing. Um, I guess they listened to us. Uh, we're smarter than we think. James, the whole game, 20, 12 for 24, 265 and a touchdown. On the flip side, you already talked about cursing Trey Ford. Sam Girard, 18 for 31, 234 yards, one TD, two picks. Maybe my who's back kind of, you know, the messed who, with his who, mojo. Who's, who's back turned to the who's bad of the week? Yeah, I mean, hope, hopefully for that UFD Queens game, that doesn't prove to be the case. But yeah, not too much to write home about this one. Yeah, I think that this is one of the games where you know we said it before, where when you watch when you watch high scoring games, they're great on TV. Um, defensive games are not. If you watch a defensive game live, though, I find those amazing. And I think that if we were at this game, it might be a little more, you know, I don't want to say entertaining because I hate saying entertain when it's about sports because it's really more than that. But, you know, Windsor's defense, eight sacks, yeah, 14 tackles for a loss. Like, they, they put on a stellar performance. And and not to say that Queens didn't. They had four sacks, eight tackles for a loss. Um, but just, you know, they, they neither team could really get that offense going at all. Well, and it seemed like for Windsor, because they, they've had some trouble on the defensive end this year, we've talked about last week in particular in talking about Sam Girard, just how effective their offense has looked. And it kind of looked like defensively they just decided, hey, you know what, let's bring a ton of pressure and let's get after these young quarterbacks. Uh, and to your point, eight sacks in the game clearly worked. Uh, you know, Queen's offense has been good at times this year, obviously not stellar, so it's not like a massive drop-off a cliff for them statistically. But no, you're totally right. Really good defensive battles. And uh, I, I guess if, if I'm going to talk about Sam Girard's uh, production going down after I gave him a shout-out last week, uh, you know, Chris Osikusi, nice, six catches and 93 yards, but I needed another 57 yards and three touchdowns. Which you uh, could definitely get in those 57 yards. Yeah, you know, so just... Sammy, you got to throw him the ball three more times for those touchdowns. But both teams will need good performances going into next week as Windsor is traveling to take on McMaster and Queens is coming into town to take on UFT off their bye. So both games are going to be very tough for these teams. We'll see how we'll see how they both do. Uh, in the case of Queens, we'll get to see it live in person. Uh, so if you want to give us any swag for that game, uh, we'll be there. You don't even have to mail it to us. So with that being said, let's move on to our last game, Carlton and Western. Final score in this game, the Western Mustangs 40, the Carlton Ravens 23. This was indeed the blackout game, as you, Dakota, did predict last week. Uh, I was there. Um, it was a really cool scene. I, you know, I was not to say, not not disappointed. I, I was kind of expecting or hoping for a bit more of what I would assume like the homecoming crowd was. You know, they didn't have. I don't know my cardinal directions at TD Stadium there, but the opposite sideline stands open. I was kind of hoping it was going to be both sides, but a full house. Uh, the crowd 
dressed all in black. It was, it was so cool to see those jerseys. We were just kind of talking about it a moment ago. So sick. Um, and just seeing a game in Western, like, they, they put on a – it's a good experience. They have a good – like, from the food, shout-out to them serving up those Beyond Meat burgers. That was sweet. You know, the, the Giants, like, blow-up slides. All the fanfare that makes it feel like, you know, the real deal sports experience. I That might be – I love – Guelph does a great job too, but I think uh, that's probably one of the coolest experiences. Have, have you gone to the blackout yourself before? Um, no, unfortunately, they, they brought that in as I was as leaving Western. So I was just really happy there about you complimenting Western so much because I don't have to do it um, <laughs> during this segment. Um, no, I, I, I have, unfortunately have not been uh, to a blackout game. I was kind of sad I couldn't go this week, um, but happy that you got the experience. But now just turning myself a little more uh, into the football numbers about it. Um, that is what we're supposed to do here. It is what we're supposed to do. I'll let you talk about it more, but... You know, how was that Western offense? I, I've said it for the last week or so, two weeks. Trey Humes kind of looking like Trey Humes that I've been saying he should be. There was a lot of telling things in this game. And for Western, I think next week is the last test they have to go through at all. Not to say that they need to prove anything against Guelph per se, but when you just look at their schedule, they play Ottawa down the road. That could be interesting. They play Waterloo. We'll see, but especially when we're talking about good defenses, and yes, Ottawa does have a good defense. If they keep putting up these numbers, you know, next week against Guelph, because I, as much as I, I obviously raved about Guelph's front seven, we know what Max defense can do. You know, obviously Western's defense is a team that gets brought up. I'm a big fan of this Carlton defense. The front seven in particular is nasty. That linebacking core is is for real. But and, how many how many sacks do they get? What, what was one. the number? Yeah, one. How many tackles for a loss? Three. Yeah. They, they held they held your boy Jack Kasser. No tackles for a loss. No sacks. Still, still a solid game. Four, yeah. four solos, seven assists. But you hold someone with that amount of talent to nothing in the backfield? Yeah. That's pretty impressive. And, and just to speak a little more on, on Western's offense, Chris Merchant looking like a true quarterback now, going 21 for 27, 316, and three touchdowns for a long of 67. Yeah. You know, Brett Ellerman, like I said before, he's got to be an OUA All-Star. Another, another uh, almost 100-yard performance, 93 yards on five catches and a touchdown, 40-yard for a long. That's they're, they're, They can hit you on the ground with Trey Humes or Femi Cole. They can hit you in the air with Merchant. Or they can hit you with Merchant in the air by catching it or on the ground by running it. They got too many, weapons. They got too many weapons to it, try and stop, really. Oh, it's yeah, it, it's... It's, so talking about that Guelph game as sort of this last sort of test, and it, this isn't as if I didn't think Western was going to be good or, or, or top of the pack. I could see a road where they maybe, and it still could happen, where they end up with a seven and one, six and two record, still maybe first or whatever. I, mean, I could I could see that. And you look at the turnover they had on their offense, some of the massive names. Obviously, you have Joseph and Taylor, you have McMaster, you have Brown on the offensive line. Then you have all the different changes at coaches. You have the whole starting linebacking core from last year, including the, if, uh, Fraser Sopic himself. I think it's fair to think that this team would have been not as good as they were last year. And I don't think they are. I still think they're the best team in the OUA. They're not as good if you go Western last year versus Western this year. Last year wins, but you could say that about the year before that when they won the Vanier. 
but I still think there's a lot of catching up to do in the OUA. Well, and it's but it's interesting that our discussion has gone this point because after the game, thanks to your hookup, I was able to speak with their Western's left tackle, Dylan Giffen, and amongst a couple other questions I asked him, I talked to him about that very point there. Let's hear that right now. All right, I'm here speaking with Dylan Giffen. Dylan, amazing game out there. There's a lot of questions going into this year about your team, the offense in general, with a lot of the personnel changes. You guys seemingly have not missed a step so far this year. Talk to me about the team this year versus the team you had last year. Well, we only like to compare ourselves to who we were yesterday, right? Like we came into training camp with one goal, just take it one week at a time and try to get better each day, every day at practice and every day, every play even. Like we don't want to compare ourselves to 2018 or even 2017. We just want to keep focusing on ourselves. So from a team standpoint, the team is doing fantastic. Leading up to a massive game next week, the Yates Cup rematch in Guelph. On a personal note, you were recently selected to the top 20 prospects list for the CFL draft. Talk to me a little bit about what that means to you, what you've been doing to prepare for that, and what you're planning to do once the season's done in preparation. Well, my motto is I can't count my chickens before they hatch. You know, I got to take it one day at a time, keep working hard. Like, if I just keep working hard one day at a time, and I want to win football games, I can't think about the CFL too yet, too much yet. Just got to keep winning football games. <laughs> All right, well, last question. With the 2010s coming to an end after this year, if the Western Mustangs were to put together an all-offensive team for the 2010s, who's starting at left tackle, you or Eddie Meredith? <laughs> Why are you going to do that to me? Eddie <laughs> Meredith is great. We're a different type of offensive lineman. Uh, uh, I want answer. <laughs> we'd have to get into a training camp and go through it. He was really good, man. He was my mentor. Yeah. yeah so we'd I, see. All right, well, I appreciate your time, Dylan. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Once again, that was Dylan Giffen, left tackle for the Western Mustangs. Uh, and to kind of jump on that little joke there about him versus Eddie Meredith, you know, if you if you saw one, both of them play, or a Eddie for you out there listening as well, let's get your takes on it. Giffen or Meredith, who who you put at left tackle? I mean, we don't have to jump into that now because I know we were kind of playing with that idea and we went down the rabbit hole of, of all 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 twenty tens Western Mustangs team in the backfield led by Tyler Varga. That's gotta be something <laughs> something dangerous. But no, ju- just jumping back into this game, um, I I still don't quite know where I stand with Carlton. You know, they have such a solid defense. Uh, their offense isn't. I don't want to say isn't bad, but you know they still have receivers one hundred twenty seven yards, eighty yards, forty eight yards. Quarterback throwing two touchdowns, 354 yards. Yes, he did throw the two picks, so technically it's zero in my books. But, you know, against against the other teams they are going to play this these coming weeks, like Carlton could, you know, squeeze out a couple wins here and there, do what I said about Laurier, run the table, and who knows? It's just it's so hard to really gain, like, thoughts when it's versing Western because Western can make great quarterbacks look terrible and great defenses look bad. And the one thing I'll say specifically about their offense that I did, I, I definitely liked seeing because you talked about the impact in the passing game, but it was seeing Nathan Carter go 14 attempts for 87, 87 yards. Not not mind-blowing numbers, but kind of touched on this a little bit in talking about how great Levandre Gordon is and really separating himself from the pack last year. You know, obviously, Cedric Joseph was the top dog last year. I, I don't think many people could question that just that that was just a fact, right? Just facts. And but then after him, you had the likes of uh, obviously Lavondre Gordon. You had Nathan Carter, who had a great year. 
you had um, Dawson O'Day out of Ottawa. You, you know, plenty of other backs. I'm sure I'm forgetting. There was such a wealth of, of running backs that were that were doing so great. But and clearly, Gordon has separated himself from it. So great to see Nathan Carter put up this kind of performance where it looks like he's starting to get into his rhythm. And not to jump too far ahead next week, taking on Waterloo. We just saw what Kane Stevenson could do to them. I feel like that could really be a breakout game for uh, for Nathan. Yeah, you see, you see, eighty-seven yards, and you don't think that's that's much here or there. But when you look at the averages, you know, six point two, especially in a three-down football, six point two is huge. When you're confident enough to give it to your back and say, "We can now go into this second down, and I can run it again, or I can throw it," it it gets the defense guessing a little bit more, keeps them on their keeps them honest, as I like to say. Yeah. That instead of if you have a running back who rushes seventy five times for an average of three, then you know the defense knows it can stop them. Yeah. So as long as you know you're putting up a good average, and averages are always skewed with with bigger runs. But he had a solid game with eighty seven yards, six point two average, and on fourteen attempts. And I think for uh, for Western last or pardon me for Carlton last point, I want to just mention before we jump off this game is shout out to uh, Matthew Pickens. Uh, running back for Carlton. His family saw them at the game. Really nice folk. Hope you guys are actually tuning into the episode after I told you about it. Uh, but if not, still much love to the Pickenses. Um, and yeah, as we mentioned, for Carlton next week, they're going to be at home taking on Waterloo. Uh, and for Western, they're hitting the road. And it's the Yates Cup rematch. And we'll get into those games. Well, I guess we'll jump into all that right now because that's the end of our review of week four in the OUA. So with that being said, let's move on. All right, looking ahead to next week, our pick for game of the week and the first game we'll preview is the Western Mustangs visiting the Guelph Griffins. As whoa, we- whoa, 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 whoa. It's your game of the week. It's your game of the week. Our The pick for my game of the week, Guelph versus Western, the Yates Cup rematch, games in Guelph. We already mentioned a little bit with Starcella coming back, Juwan Jeffries, both of them, or I should say, hopefully coming back, the way this Guelph offense has looked like it has been, you know, or not looking, it has been getting better week after week, and how stout that Guelph defense is, and especially I'll throw in as well, if we get the return of Barney to the special teams unit there, my hope is that we at least see, you know, and obviously I want to see Guelph win, but I, I think as long as we can see much like how we did with the Mac game, that there's at least one other team in this league that can put up a fight, put up a good game, you know, not not just be done before it even begins. So I'm I'm going with Western on this one. Oh, whoa, but you just you just said all those all those nice things about your school. Yeah, but I saw what Western was last week in the in person, man, and that's my pick on it. What about you? Well, we have you, who's diehard Griffin. You know, you went there and you played there. And you said all those nice things. And then you're going to pick Western, and then you're going to throw it to the guy that went to. Now Western. you're right. I'll go with Guelph. Yes, there we go. Stir the pot, make it happen. Shout out OUA fan. But with that being said, I'm going Western. Yeah, I, I don't. Enough. I don't have any doubt in in what Western can do. Big, 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 big ups to what Guelph has done over the last couple of weeks. Big, big, big downs to all those people talking smack about me. Never going with Guelph. Um, you know who's gonna eat your words? Who start start taking pictures of those tweets now, boys? 
because it's going to look real bad when Western goes and beats Guelph. Uh, I got a bet going on right now that Western wins uh, by 14 points. But I'm going to say the whole spread for this game, Western minus 16 and a half. Our next game, Windsor visiting McMaster. Windsor is obviously a bounce back after the disappointing loss at Queens. For Mac, a bounce back after, well, a win, but just as you already outlined, a disappointing outing by the offense. I would be, you know, never be scared playing football, but I'd be scared to be Windsor going into, going into Hamilton to face McMaster after McMaster put up nothing. <laughs> they put up nothing against York in those first three quarters. McMaster is going to want to absolutely destroy True. this team. To be fair, you know, everyone wants to destroy everyone going into football. It's football. It's a war. But McMaster is, is, is my pick for this one for so many reasons, but mainly because their offense is going to be hungry for revenge on doing nothing the week before. Yeah, you know, I, I was going with McMaster, no doubt, in this one as well, but the notion you brought up of a pissed-off McMaster team coming into this game at home, and I don't know for sure, but like just given the time of the year, like I feel like this could be their homecoming or something like that. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just not. But the pissed-off McMaster angle, I really like it, so I'm going to go with you there on that one. Then we get to what I'm going to go out on a limb here and say is perhaps your game of the week. This week, my game of the week. Queens, U of T, 1 o'clock, Varsity Stadium. I'm going to be there. Dakota's going to be there. My old man's going to be there. You should be there. Bring your friend. Bring your dog. Bring your mom. Bring everyone down. Dakota, what's happening? Before I get into my pick, um, we just got actually a message um, on one of our socials right now from... One of our secret undercover pickers. Oh. Um, this is the the Madison blind pick of the week. You know, we have we have all our insiders on our on our team, but now we also want to bring in the people that just don't care. And they're gonna pick the pick. And Madison's pick of the week, Madison's blind pick of the week is Queens. Which I think, you know, it's a very brave going against the grain type thing. That's kind of what Madison does. That's kind of what Madison does, you know, and I and I, I love those picks that you go against everyone else because that's what I like to do on online as well but you shouldn't have to ask who I think is going to win you know I've said it pretty much every week they're my who's back of the week <laughs> killer clay clay with a k that bird gang UFC is taking the dub this is this is I believe their homecoming this is UFC's homecoming oh for real yeah I saw a lot of things and I, I could be wrong but I'm I'm pretty sure <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is UFC's homecoming so Blues, no doubt. Blues over gold. That's all I'm saying. I'm also gonna go with you on this one. I, I, I'm so excited to finally see this offense in person. Watch the Bird Gang do their thing. Queens, obviously, last week, as we already outlined it, that was a bit of a defensive battle from the jump. Let's see if they stick with James Keen. That'll be interesting to see what they do there. The defense has been pretty solid all year round. But if U of T, assuming that that first half leading up to that to that bye week they just had wasn't a fluke or anything like that, this this team's looking pretty legit. Having said that, if they do look like they're missing a beat, I'll be very interested in rehashing the point about being a team that's as ha- as hot as they were going into that bye week, and then perhaps facing. I guess I know you'd call it an upset if Queens won, but in the general pop, the general public, I don't know. Maybe 10 years ago, but this is 2019. Well, 
We'll see it live and direct. This is number stadium. 10 in the league, in the nation, baby. U of T, number 10 in the nation. All right, next up we have Waterloo visiting Carlton. Uh, another 1 o'clock start. This is a bit of a tough pick. Uh, you know, we kind of we were talking about some of the angles in this one beforehand. Uh, myself mentioning that I think this could be a big breakout game for Nathan Carter. Show us just how talented he is. A, a bit of a, a reminder of that 2018 season last year for Waterloo. Uh, as you kind of point out, the offense offense did produce against Guelph, but just not in that. There's just a difference between Trey Ford putting up numbers and Trey Ford putting up a Trey Ford stat line. So I'm sure for them, looking to really bounce back. But I know you you don't like the Ottawa trips. I just don't like them as as a player. Going up to Ottawa isn't fun. Um, it's just it it can take a toll on you. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But. I think just watching how how Carlton's defense has been doing, um, and how Waterloo has looked so hot and so cold, it, it really is honestly. This is gonna be I think there's a lot of there's a lot of good games out there. Like you said, you know Western Guelph's your game of the week. U of T Charles my game of the week. But I think this is gonna be probably the closest game that you're gonna see all week. But with that, I'm gonna have to give the slight edge to Carlton, uh, just on the home field advantage, the solid defense. If they can shut down Trey Ford. Which is possible. We've seen it twice this season. I, I can't see Waterloo really, you know, taking this. It's going to be a defensive battle for Carlton, an offensive battle. You know, which one's going to come on top and squeak a little yeah. more? But I got Carlton with this one. Well, I'll make it interesting. Then I'll go with Waterloo. I, I know that we saw that Carlton's defense against Western and Spurts was still good, but Western ended up putting up big numbers on them. Waterloo. Maybe they're not the offensive team that Western is, but we know what this offense is capable of. And as big a fan as I am of that Carlton defense, sometimes it just comes down to the proof being in the pudding a little bit. Uh, do I think they'll have a bounce-back game? You know, We kind of talked about the idea of a, a pissed-off Mac team. Maybe we get a pissed-off Carlton team returning home. Um, but, you know, what? I'll, I'll, like I said, I'll just make it interesting. I'll go with Waterloo in that pick. And that leads us to our final game, Ottawa in town, visiting the York Lions. This is Canada's game of the week. This is the nighttime, primetime game. Five o'clock, as the sun's setting, York and Ottawa. This is the first time that, for half a second, I thought that, just judging how the teams have played, you know, and watching how York kind of defense played against Mac, I was like, you know, York might have a, but then I said, no, 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 York's never winning a game. So you already know who my pick is. With that being said, Ottawa's offense has to show something. Yeah. You saw what happened with Mac, who has a stellar offense, went in there. There's something about going to York in that weird wind tunnel. Laurier couldn't really put up big numbers. Mac couldn't really True. put up big numbers. There's something about York. But with that being said, I still have the GGs to get in the win against the Lions. No Hunchak, no problem for Ottawa. I think with Hunchak, it might be an interesting game for you know, spurts, but I think if they can get uh, Berger and Shaw going in, in the backfield for them, Miracle, if you know, maybe cut down some of the interceptions that he's thrown over the last couple couple weeks, and just maybe operate more as a game manager. Get the ball to Matheson. Get the ball to St. Pierre. Get the ball in in Beaver's hands. Let your offense do what it can do. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm definitely gonna go with Ottawa on this one as well. Uh, so that wraps up our preview for. Week five, of course, as we mentioned, Laurier is on the bye. 
And I think at this point, we already talked about the, the Madison pick, but we actually got uh, some more feedback from some of our, our incredible listeners. And so I guess we'll get to finally debut our real mailbag section. No made-up stuff this time. Nothing here. So first of all, I'll throw this one to you, Dakota, from Eric Martin asking how Acadia could possibly be ahead of even U of T on the top 10. And uh, this is in reference to, of course, the U Sports top 10 that they put out. So a couple of things. First of all, thank you so much um, for being our first actual mailbag. Uh, sorry to spoil it for everyone, but that letter written in blood wasn't actually from Eddie in week one. Sorry to be dishonest with you. Um, a couple things, and just solely on me, all about the hot takes. One, first and foremost, this is an OUA podcast, so we're not really going to talk too much about anything other than OUA football. I would love to have the time to talk about all of you sports, but we don't. Um, two, I've already kind of said that I don't love, and I may not have said this online, but I'll say online, I don't love the the East Coast football. You know, there are some great players out there. I had a lot of uh, a lot of friends that played for St. FX, uh, won the champions out there. Shout out uh, Chuck Wall, Christian Ridley, uh, Dave. I think that's uh, Jimmy Cunningham. A lot of great talent out there. But the OUA is the powerhouse, and I I, I can't see teams really deserving to be ahead of that. And then three, and most important, you're asking this question to someone who is so obviously whether the hype is real or hype is fake or I'm being over the top the biggest U of T guy right now this season and you're asking me if if anyone should be over them no 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 next next question and you know I'll I'll, I'll throw this one to you I'll throw I'll throw the next question you're me let you answer that one <laughs> I'm gonna, but this one comes from uh, Nick Oakley who's been stirring the pot with a lot of Guelph stuff but this is actually a great question. What are your thoughts on the OUA shortened training camps this year? I know we're halfway through the season, but have we seen any really effects on having that short training camp? I, I mean, whether we've seen or whether we can truly say that some of the effects that have happened this year are caused directly by a shortened training camp. We have seen two of the top quarterbacks go down to injury. We've seen, I mean, we talk about Hunchak. Obviously, he went down in this last game, but you know we were seeing in the last two games stints where he either came out or, or looked to be limping around the field, and then as well, you know, for Mister Oakley being the Guelph fan he is, look no further than your own team. I mean, I guess a lot of those injuries they had probably happened in training camp, so maybe that's not the case. I don't know. It just it seems like there's the injuries have been an unfortunate storyline so far in this in this season. Like I said, maybe there could be some kind of correlation there. I doubt there'd be any type of direct causation with it being a shortened training camp. If anything, maybe the opposite would be true. Longer training camps would be more injuries. But who knows? It's it's really tough to to, to pin that down. That would be my only real thought on it. Do you have any, any no, thoughts I, de- on I, I definitely agree with you on that. Um, you know, I think what a lot of people don't consider is, and I've said this before, the, the chemistry there. So when you look at quarterbacks being hurt... Um, you kind of look, and I don't know why, I'm not just going to throw it right back to you, but, you know, O-line's chemistry on, if there's new guys there, you kind of have to have a feeling, correct me if I'm wrong here, but how each person kind of attacks each certain block, um, I'm honestly, and you kind of saw it in the week one with Western, how the O-line looked 
terrible. I'm, I'm sorry, Dylan, but the O-line looked bad, and Chris was, was taking a beating, and now you're kind of seeing the effects that, they're you know, like you said, uh, Butner going against Mack. Yeah. Really, really saw the effects of a strong veteran defense that knows how their team flows against an O-line that maybe didn't work well together. And we, I, I can't point the finger at a short week or not, but – I've saw, there's a lot more quarterback injuries this year than there has been the last couple of years. Yeah, it, it definitely seems that way. So uh, thank you again for the, the questions. Hopefully we, we uh, shed a little bit of insight onto those. Um, but I guess that pretty much wraps up the episode. Uh, any last thoughts, Dakota, before we call it a wrap here? Man, if you're not at that U of T game, I don't know where you're at. It's, it's, it's the spot to be in Toronto. It's just 1 p.m. You're not going to a club. You're <laughs> awake. You're done brunch. Meet us at Varsity Stadium. It's going to be a great time. 100%. Dakota will be there. I will be there. I'm certain Brandon will be there. Maybe we'll even get an Eddie Meredith sighting. That would be pretty Ooh, sweet. All four. Four for four. Yeah, exactly. Madison will not be there. No, Madison. You'll never, blind picks equals you'll never see her. Um, and with that being said, uh, I guess that will wrap it up this week, and we'll talk to you next week at the 55.